Shas Illuminated presents the following shir by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Byron. Maseches Yoma has been dedicated by Mr. and Mrs. Shmuley Katz, Le'ilay Nishmas, Mars Hanel Abbas, Reb Shraga Fleischman, and Reb Shimon Ben Reb David. Yumod Afnun Hey. The Gemara at the top of the Omud is explaining that which it says in the Mishnah that the Kain Gadol is Mazek Kimatzleif, and the Gemara says Machvi Reb Yehuda Kiminagdino. Reb Yehuda demonstrated this Kiminagdino. There's Machlekes Rishonim. What this means exactly? Kiminagdino. Rashi says Kimaka Biratzuo Shemaschil Minak Tofayim Umaka Vohilech Lemato. Kiminagdino means that when a Shliach Bezdin gives Malkus to somebody, he doesn't give him all the Malkus in one spot. Rather, the first Maka is higher up on the person's body, and the next Maka is each one is lower than the previous one. So to the Kain Gadol, when he did the Hazois, he did not hold his hand at the same height. As for each Hazor, he positioned his hand a bit lower than the previous Hazor. Rashi on Daf Tezvov Amir Aleph, Dibur Maschol Kemenagno, says similarly, Keshliach Bezdin HaMaka Beretzuo, Zu Lemato Mezu, She'ena Maka Bemokon Me'echon. Rashi on Nun Gimel Amir Beis, on the Mishnah as well, Rashi says, Kematzleif, Beshur Azu Tachazu, Kol Shmoyne Hazois, he did each hazor at a different height, and therefore they landed on the ground in a row, all the eight hazois. Now the Gemara here continues and brings a b'raiso, k'shu umazo, e'ni maza al kapayres, ele k'neged oivyo shal kapayres. The Koyengodol's hazois do not reach on top of the gag of the kapayres, like Rashi explains. Rather, he positions his hand opposite the oivyo, the thickness of the kapayres. However, none of the hazois reached the kapayres, not on top of the kapayres, nor on the oivyo, the thickness of the kapayres, they all fell to the ground. And the Raisi continues, Rashi explains that the Gemara was bothered by, what does it mean that he does achas lamalo v'sheva lamato? Which is learned from the lotion of the Posuk, ala kapayres and lifnea kapayres. If it doesn't mean that it falls on top of the kapayres, and on the side of the kapayres, they all fall to the ground. So what does it mean, Ala Kapiris and Lefnea Kapiris? On that the Bryce answers that it's referring to the position that the Kohen Gadol held his hand when he did the Hazois. When he did the one Lamalo, he was Metzadeh Yodel Lamato. Meaning the back of his hand was facing downwards, the palm was facing upwards. And he did the Hazois with an upward motion. The Sheva Lamato, there he was Metzadeh Yodel Lamalo, meaning the back of his hand was upwards. His palm was facing downwards, and he did the Hazois with a downward motion. Now the Lacha Mishnah, in Hilchus Havidah Siyam HaKippurim, Perek Gimel, Halacha Hei, he quotes Rashi, and he points out that according to Rashi, that which the Gemara brings a b'raisa, about how the Kohen Gadol is mitzadid yodoi, that is not an explanation of what it means kimenagdina. There are two different issues over here. Kimenagdina is an explanation, what does it mean kimatzleif? That Rashi learns that we're referring to the height that the Kohen Gadol held his hand at the time of the Hazor. The rice is referring to something else, the position that the Kohen Gadol held his hand, and that's to answer what's the plan in the postic of Ala Kapiris and Lefnea Kapiris. And according to Rashi, the way we read the Mishnah, the Mishnah says, That means to say that the dam did not land on top of the Kapiris, nor on the side of the Kapiris. So where did the dam land? It landed in a row on the floor. And the Mishnah is not addressing what does the Pasuk mean when it says Ala Kapiris Vilifnea Kapiris. That the Braisa on Dafnun Hay addresses that it's referring to the way the Kohen Gadol positions his hand. This is Shitas Rashi in the Sugyo. And the Taisis Hashanim earlier on on Daftes Vovah Medalif, 
Diva Maslow Kumanagdano, he quotes Rashi, and he asks that we do not find anywhere in Shas this concept that a Shliach Bezdin is not supposed to give Malchus in the same spot. And therefore he has a different shot on what it means, Kimenagdana. He quotes this Bashem the Rabbeinu Hazokein and Bashem the Oruch. He says Kimenagdan means something else, that at the time the Shliach Bezdin gives Malchus to a person, the Shliach Bezdin stands behind the person, and some of the Malchus he does on the front of the person's body, and some of them he does on the person's back. And when he's doing the Malchus on the front of the person, he leans over from behind, and his fingers are facing downward. At the time he's giving the Makkah, the back of his hand is upwards, but his finger is facing downwards. However, when he does the Malchus on the person's back, then the back of the Shliach Bezdin's hand is facing downwards, and his fingers are facing upwards. And the Gemara means to say, so too the Kain Godol, when he did the Hazais, when he did the Hazar Lamalo, the back of his hand was facing downward, and his fingers were facing upward. When he did the Hazar Islamato, the back of his hand was facing upward, and his fingers were facing downward. And the Lech Mishnah points out that according to this, the Bryson Ergamar, which explains, Kishu's Mazar Lamalo, Metzadid Yodel Lamato, this is an explanation of what it means, Kiminagdino, not like Rashi. According to Taisis, the Gemara is explaining that just like a Minagdino, a Shliach Bezdin, sometimes his hand is facing upward and sometimes downward, also the Azois of the Kain Godal, sometimes it's facing upward and sometimes it's facing downward. And according to Taisis, the Mishnah reads differently than Rashi. When the Mishnah says, Look how you miscaven lahazis, lelamato, he wasn't Maza on the Kapiris, nor on the side of the Kapiris. Ela Kematzleif, the Mishnah is coming to explain what does it mean, Ela Kapiris Vilifnea Kapiris. If it doesn't mean where the dam is supposed to land, what does it mean? On that, the Mishnah says, Kematzleif, that it's referring to the position that the Kain Gadol held his hand. Unlike Rashi, like we said before, Ela Kematzleif, according to Rashi, is telling us that if the dam did not land on the Kapiris, where did it land? On the floor in a row. And the Mishnah does not explain how do we explain the Pasuk Ela Kapiris, Vilafnea Kapiris. That is explained later on in the Brisa, that it means how the Kain Gadol held his hand. Now the Gemara continues, Menohani Mili, Rashi explains, how do we know that the Achas Lamala of the Par and the Achas Lamala of the Sawyer, that the Torah does not mean literally that it should fall ala kapiris on the Gag of the Kapiris. On this, the Gemara answers, from the Pasuk, V'hiza oisa ala kapiris v'lefnea kapiris, the Gemara says that lefnea kapiris in this Pasuk is extra, l'akushay al l'lefnei, to compare al and lefnei. Ma lefnei de lav al, af al de lav al. Just like lefnei does not mean that it actually touches the kapiris, rather it falls in front of the kapiris. Also, al does not mean that it should land on the kapiris. In other words, that we knew misvara that lefnei kapiris does not mean that it actually touches the kapiris, rather it lands in front of it. Also, al kapiris does not mean that it touches the kapiris. Now, the gvurasari over here asks the kasha on our sugya from the gemara in Menachos Daf Chovzayin Amid Beis. There's machlokes over there between Rabbanon and Rabbi Yehuda. When the Pasik says, Al Paneha Kapiris, which is referring to the Isr, Al Yavi Bechalis Al Akhidesh, Al Paneha Kapiris, not to come Lufnayu Lufnim in front of the Kapiris, Rabbanon over there learned that El Paneha Kapiris is Lavdafka. The Torah does not mean only directly in front of the Kapiris. And Rabbi Huda holds it means Dafka. You only have Misa if you come directly in front of the Kapiris. And the Gemara says, similarly, they also argue when the Pasik says, Vihiza El Noichach Pnei Oyal Mayid, when your mother from the dam of the Paraduma towards the oil maid, does it mean literally that it has to be in the direction of the oil maid, or, e- or even off to the side, perhaps it's kosher as well. 
Here also the Gemara says that according to Rabbanon, Noichach play oil mayir is lav dafka, and according to Bihudo it's dafka. And then the Gemara continues, what about the Pasuk al by the Hazoi Saddam on Yom Kippur? The Gemara says that according to the Rabbanon, we understand it's lav dafka, and therefore even during the Migdash Shani, when there was no Orin, still the Kain Gadol was able to do these Hazois. However, according to Yehuda, that it's Bidafko, how were we able to do these Hazois by the Migdash Shani when there was no Orin? On this Sigmar answer is a drasha from a Pasuk, V'chipas Migdash HaKodesh, Mokim HaMekudosh LeKodesh, we learn from a Pasuk that even a Mokim, which does not have the Orin, rather has the Kedusha of the Orin, meaning to say the area in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, where the Orin was supposed to be, that has a special Kedusha, Kedusha Sa Orin, and therefore Hazois in front of that, or also Kosher. And the Gversary asks, how does our Sugya fit with this Sugya in Menachas? According to the Rabbanon over there, El Paneyakapayr says, Lav Dafko, and therefore the Gemara understands that even when there was no Oren Bechlal, still you were able to do these Hazois. So what does our Gemara need a Joshua to tell us that the Hazois do not have to land on the Kapayris? Al HaKapayris says, Lav Dafko, doesn't have to mamish land on the Kapayris. And furthermore, according to Behud over there, that it would be Dafko, and therefore the Gemara asks that if there's no Oren, then we should not be able to do Hazois. But Lamaisa, after our Gemara says, that the Hazois do not have to actually land on the Kapiris. So what is the Gemara asking over there that according to Rabbi Huda, when there's no Oren, you should not be able to do the Hazois. Our Gemara already makes a Joshua to tell us that the Hazois do not have to land on the Kapiris. This is the Gvura Saris Kasha, that the two sugyas do not seem to coincide, as to you not fit, not according to the Rabbanon, nor according to Rabbi Huda. And he leaves off with Tzarechiyin. Now as far as his Kasha according to Rabbi Huda, Perhaps we could be madchik that even though Ergumar does say that we're makish al to lifnei and it does not have to actually land on the kapiris, but it would seem that it still has to land directly in front of the kapiris, just like lifnei kapiris means directly in front. So al would also mean not mamish on top, but also directly in front. But if still, if there would be no kapiris at all, like during the times of the second base of Mikdash, the chayyot should still be possible. The Gemara never said that it's lav dafka bechlal. The Gemara only said that it doesn't have to land on top of the kapiris. And therefore the Gemara in Menachos is asking that according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Hazois would still have to be bedafka right in front of the kapiris. How could they do these Hazois by the second base HaMikdash? However, according to the Rabbanon, the Gvursari's kasha remains, if El and Al is always lav dafka, so here as well, why would we need a drosha to tell us that it does not have to actually land on top of the kapiris, here also we should say, Alpanea Kapiris is Lav Dafka. Now perhaps we can suggest a Mahaloch to answer this Kasha of the Gvursari. But first we'll be marked them with an important Yesaid from Rebleib Malin on the Sugya. In the Chadushi Rebbe Yerleib, Chelik Beis, Simen Yud Zayin, he says that the Hazois on Yom Kippur, Bein Abadim, and on the Peroiches, these Hazois were fundamentally different from regular Hazois that were done always on the Mizbeach. With Derech Klal Hazois that have to be done on the Mizbeach, there's a specific place where the dam has to reach. Depending on the type of carbon, Achatos, the Mokim Matan Dam is the Kronis of the Mizbeach, by Oila and Shlomim, it's Shaim Shem Arba, the dam has to reach the four sides of the Mizbeach. Over there there's a din where the dam has to touch. Only once the dam touches the proper place on the Mizbeach, the Kapara of the carbon is accomplished. Masha'inkin the Hazois bein Habadim on Yom Kippur, and the Hazois on the Pereiches as well, 
When the Torah describes to us where these hazois, where this mat and dam is supposed to be done, it's not that the Torah is telling us where the dam has to reach in order to accomplish the kapara. Rather, it's a different din where the maisa hazah has to be done. The dam does not really have to reach anywhere. The Torah is merely describing the maisa hazah, where the Kohen Gadol stands, and in which direction he's mazed the dam, but even if the dam would vanish mid-air, the kapara would still be accomplished. There's no din where the dam has to reach. And even though Rashi in a number of places says that the dam is noifel la'aretz, Rashi does not mean that there's a din, that the dam has to actually land on the ground, in front of the kapiris, or in front of the pareiches, like we'll see later on, the azais in front of the pareiches as well, do not have to reach the pareiches. Rashi does not mean that there's a din, they must land there. Rashi is merely telling us to Matthias, that the dam falls to the ground. But actually you do not need the dam to reach any specific place, in order to accomplish the kapara. And he says this has practical nafkuminos, one example he gives is there's a Mishnah Lamalach in Per Gimel, based on a Tosis in Zvachim. The Gemara in Zvachim, Daftes Vov Omer Aleph, tells us an interesting din, What happens if the Koyin, he sprinkles the dam, but till it actually reaches the Mizbeach, he already became a Balmum. His hand was severed, and he's no longer ready to do the Avaidah. And the Gemara over there says that the din is that it's possible. We learn from Apostolic Vihiza Vinosan that until the dam actually reaches the Mizbeach, the Avodah is not complete, and therefore the Kayin has to remain kosher until the Avodah is over. If you became a Balmum before the dam reached the Mizbeach, the Avodah is possible. And the Mishnah Melech is Mivur that the Hazor of the Kayin Godel on Yom Kippur, the Fneha Kapiris, since it does not have to actually reach the Kapiris, so it does not have this din. If the Kohen Gadol will become a Baal Mum, immediately after the dam leaves his hand, the Avaidah will still be kosher. And Rebleib explains, the Pshat is, that there, since there's no din where the dam must reach, so the Avaidah is complete immediately after the dam leaves his hand. Whereas Hazois on the Mizbeach, that have to reach the Mizbeach, there the Avaidah is not complete until they actually reach there. With this Yisoyed, Rebbe also explains a Rashi in Zvachim. Rashi over there says that the Kohen Gadol has to stand Bein Habadim at the time he's Mazah, the Azois, in front of the Kapiris. The truth is this is Mashmah from our Mishnah as well, on Nun Gimel Amin Beis. The Mishnah says, Omad b'mokim she'omad. He stands in the same place where he put the Kapiris, which is Bein Habadim. And Rebbe asks, is there actually a din that the Kohen Gadol must stand Bein Habadim? If the Kohen Gadol would stand a bit off to the side, and his Azois would reach right in front of the Kapiris, wouldn't that also be kosher? Why is this any different than from any other mat and dam on the Mizbeach, where there's no din where the Kohen must stand at the time he does the mat and dam? As long as the dam reaches the place where it has to reach, by Echatos on the Karen of the Mizbeach, or by Eulah V'Shlamim, Shtayim Shem Arba, the Kohen can stand anywhere he wants as long as the dam gets where it's supposed to reach. And he explains the differences with this Yisoyed. By the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, the Mokim that the Torah describes for the Hazar is not a Mokim where the dam has to reach. It's a Mokim where the Avodah must be done. And in order for it to be considered that the Hazar was done in front of the Kapiris, the Kohen who's doing the Avodah also has to be standing in that specific Mokim. Whereas other Matanis on the Mizbeach, 
There's no din where the kain has to stand, because there the din mokam that the Torah describes is just a din where the dam has to reach. As long as the dam reaches there, there's no din where the kain must be standing. Now this Yisoyed is all based on the fact that the dam does not have to reach on the kapiris. Like the drosha Agamara makes, la kushay al lilifnei, that al does not actually mean that it reaches on top of the kapiris. However, before this drosha, if the dam would have to actually reach on the kapiris, then it would be posher terebleib, that the din, hazov and kipper on top of the kapiris, is not any different than matan dam on the mizbeach. The Torah is telling us where the dam has to reach. Here too, the Torah would be telling us the dam has to land on the kapiris in order to be machshar the carbon. And if so, perhaps we can answer the kasha of the Gvur Sari. He asked from the Gemara in Menachas, according to the Shita of the Rabbanon, that hold that whenever the Torah says Al or El, it does not mean Dafka, it could even be off to the side. So Bishlam on the cases that the Gemara brings, when the Torah describes the Hazoi's Dam by the Paraduma, which have to be done towards the Pnei Oyal Mayed, so there the Rabbanon hold its Lav Dafka, even if it's not Mamish in that direction, rather it's Litzdodim off to the side, that's also good enough. Or when the Torah describes who's Chayv Misa for coming into the Kedush HaKadoshim, it says, It's Lav Dafka, it doesn't have to be directly in front of the Kapiris, it could even be off to the side. But those are cases where something has to be done in front of something or towards something. But here, when the Torah would be telling us that the kind has to get the dam on top of the Kapiris, here surely we would not say that it's Lav Dafka. If the Kapiris would be like the Mizbeach, the Kapara of the carbon is accomplished, by the dam reaching on top of the kapiris, then surely we wouldn't say it's lav dafka. If the dam never got there, there is no kapara. It's only after Agamara already made the drosha that the dam does not have to reach the kapiris, al kilifnei, that it just has to reach in front of the kapiris. So here, like Rebleib said, it's not a din where the dam has to land. Rather, it's a description of the maisa hazah. It has to be done in front of the kapiris, towards the kapiris, so here ready the Gemara and Menachos could say that according to the sheet of the Rabbonon, that Al and El is Lav Dafka, so here also, even if it wasn't Mamish towards the Kapiris, even if the Kapiris was not there, Bechlal, also it would be kosher. But again, this is only after we know there's no Din where the Dam has to reach. So the two Gemaras are not soys to each other. We need the Josh and Er Gemara to tell us the Dam does not have to actually reach on top of the Kapiris, rather it has to be done in front of the Kapiris towards the Kapiris, and that the Gemara Menachos tells us that this is telling the Mechaikis Rabbanon and Yehuda is that Mamish Badafka, whereby if it's not really towards the Kapiris, or even if the Kapiris is not there, it would also be kosher according to the Rabbanon. But according to Yehuda, it would be Dafka, it would have to be towards the Kapiris, and if the Kapiris is not there, it would be possible. Now further down the Omer, the Gemara discusses how the Kohen Gadol counted out the Hazois. The Gemara brings the Mechaikis Rameir and Rabbi Yehuda, which the Gemara says, Marki Asrei, Umarki Asrei. Then the Gemara continues, Everyone's maskim that you have to count the first Hazor together with the rest of the seven Hazois. The Gemara says, My time, Rabbi Lazar Aimer Shulayita Bahazois. You should not come to make a mistake. And Rabbi Yechanan learns from a Pasuk, from the extra word Yazeh, that the first Hazor has to be counted with the other seven Hazois. And the Gemara continues, Which Kipshutai means, if he didn't count it, but he did not make a mistake, so according to Rabbi Lazar, it's kosher. It was only a din that he should not come to make a mistake. According to Rabbi Yechen and Lamaisa, he didn't count it, 
And like Rashi says, that it says chukah, this would apply also to this din, if you are not meineh, the first hazah with the other seven hazahs, it will be ma'akiv b'diyevet. Now, now firstly, we see from the sugya that everyone's maskim, that the seven hazahs lamato have to be counted. Where does that come from? So the Taisis Yishonim quotes the Taras Kayanim, it says, midiksiv sheva pa'omim, v'loiksiv sheva tipin, pa'omim is mashma minyin. From that pasuk we see that the seven hazahs have to be counted. That's the Kuliyama. And there's a Machoikis if we also learn that the first Hazar has to be counted with the rest of the seven. The Rishash over here points out that by Par Helam Dovar and Par Koyin and Mashiach, there also the Torah uses this Lashen of Sheva Pa'amim. And therefore there as well the Koyin should have to count out the seven Hazais. And he says, Enechanami, the Torah's Koyinim says so by Par Koyin and Mashiach as well, that you have to count the Hazais. However, the Rishash leaves Tarach in, why does the Rambam not bring this din? Ram does not mention by Parakoyin and Mashiach that we have to count out the Hazois. Now the truth is that we could also point out in the Rambam that in Hilchas Avodas Yim HaKippurim he paskins in Ersugyo like Rabbi Lazar that the reason you have to count the first Hazot together with the other seven is Shiloyite and therefore the Rambam would hold that if you did not count it together it would not be Ma'akiv. However, Lachaira, if you did not count the seven then it should be Ma'akiv. Since the Torah's coin makes this drosha that the seven have to be counted, and Chukah would refer to that as well, the Ramam should have to tell us that if he did not count the seven, then it is possible with the Eved. That's a ha'or on the Rambam, which Amir Tashem will get back to later. Now what does it mean exactly according to Rebbe Lozor Shalayite? Rashi explains, Shiyehelo Yishohus Peintayim Losis Libay Leminyan Shalayite. If he counts Achas V'shtayim, Achas V'shalosh, Achas V'arba, while he's saying the achas each time, he's concentrating on the next number, then there's less of a chance that he'll make a mistake in the counting. However, the Taisis has shown him that we quoted before, Dibar Mascha Limur Al-Azar he quotes the Riva that learns differently. He says that the Tais that we're concerned about is that he might count the first Hazar as part of the Cheshbon of seven. He'll do achas lamalo, and then when he starts lamato, he'll start already from number two, and he'll only end up doing six hazois lamato instead of seven hazois. However, the Taisis Shanam continues, if so, why don't we just tell the Kayingolot to count to eight? Why does he have to count achas for achas, achas for shtayim? Tell him to count to eight, and he'll do one lamala and seven lamato. On this, the Taisis Shanam answers that you can't do that. He says, the mitzvah shiva. He has to count to seven when he does the matanis lamato, and he can't count to eight. The final hazol lamato has to be number seven and not number eight. And he says the Yushalmi is mavur like this as well. Yushalmi says b'shem the reason why you have to count the first with the seven is kadeshulo yite, which is actually the opposite of Agamaro. And Agamaro Rabbi Lozer was the one who says shulo yite. was the one who says that it's learned from the pasuk. The Yushami has Rabbi Yechanan saying the other way around. And Derech Agav, this is the Lecha Mishnah's explanation why the Rambam Paskins like the Svar of Shulayite, not like Rabbi Yechanan in Ersugyo, because he Paskins like Rabbi Yechanan in the Yushami. But al Kaponim, the Yushami says, B'Shem Rabbi Yechanan Shulayite. And Rabbi Zeira adds, K'day Shayigma Hazosoy Mitoich Shiva. And the Taisa Zishanam understands that Rabbi Zeira is not coming to argue on Rabbi Yechanan, rather he's coming to explain Rabbi Yechanan. And he was bothered by, if the concern is Shilayite, why don't we just tell him to count till 8? And this Rebzeira answers, no, that the Hazoi Islamata have to end with number 7. 
Here again, it's mashmar that it's posher to us that the Hazoi Islamata have to have a minion, like the Taurus Kayim learned from the Pasuk of Pa'amim, that there has to be a counting till seven. And this is what Rabbi Zaira is saying in the Yerushalmi, that there's a din, that the Hazoi Islamata have to be counted through until number seven. If you're going to start with number two and end with number eight, then you won't be Mekayim this din of Sheva Pa'amim. This is the Pashtas of the Yerushalmi. However, we'll see that there's another Mahalach. The Chedusha Yagriz al-Rambam, page 96, he has an Arichos and Arsugyo. He brings this Taisis Hashanim B'Shem the Yerushalmi. And he builds from this an important Yisoyed, which is Nageya any time that there's Zayin Hazois. Whether it's the Hazois, Lufnayim or on the Paroiches, or the Zayin Hazois of a Paraduma, Noichach Pnei And he says, these places where we find Zayin Hazois, they're Cholak B'Yisoydom, they're fundamentally different then, for example, the four hazois of a chatas on the mizbeach. When we say that a chatas needs four hazois, let's say, for example, by chatois apnimiyos, where all four hazois on the mizbeach apnimi they're ma'akiv, or for example, according to shitas beis shamai, chatas chitzonis, where the dam goes on the mizbeach achitzon, two of the hazois are leikuva. We hold the ma'isa that even one hazois is machshir lekarbin. But Akaponim, four Azois by Chatois Apnimis with their Ma'akiv, or two Azois according to Beishamai, the Briskarov says that each Hazor is independent. It's not that it's one set of four Hazois. Masha'enke, when the Torah tells us Zayin Hazois, there the Pshat is that it's one set. It's a set of seven Hazois, and not seven independent Hazois. In other words, a Hazor, which is not part of a set of seven, is nothing on its own. It's meaningless. Only a hazah, which is a chilek of a set of seven, that has a shame hazah for the cases when you need zayin hazais. Let's give one example that the Briskarov mentions, which will help clarify this difference. Toysus in Menorah's Daftes Zayin says, Lagabi the din of pigol. If a kohen has machsheves pigol in one of the avodos, it passes the carbon. If someone afterwards eats from the carbon, he's chayiv kores. And there's a machlekes tanoim between Rabbanon and Rameyer, if mefaglim bechatsi matir, or ain mefaglim bechatsi matir. In other words, if he has machshavah's pigol in one chilek of the avaydah, but not in the other chilek of the avaydah, is that enough to make the carbon into pigol? For example, a mincha needs a haktara of the kaimetz, and a haktara of the levaynah, the k'tayris which is on top of the mincha. And if you had a machshavah's pigol in only one of them, for example, in the Haktara of the Kaimitz, and not in the Haktara of the Levino, then according to the Rabbanon, it's not Pigol, because you only had a Machshava in part of the Avedo. According to the Mayor, Mifaglin Mater, it is Pigol. However, the Gemara Vachim says, that if he had a Machshava's Pigol in Chatsi Kaimitz, in other words, when he was Makter, part of the Kaimitz, he had a Machshava's Pigol, and when he was Makter, the rest of the Kaimitz, he did not have Machshava's Pigol, that even according to the Mayor, is not Pigol. Because a half of a kaimitz is nothing on its own. It's not even considered chatsi avayda. Now what about if the kain has machshavah's pigol in part of the hazois hadam? So the Gemara in Zvachim Davlamid Ches says that if the kain had machshavah's pigol in one of the matonis hadam by emchatos apnimis, all four matonis are ma'akiv the hechsher, if he had a machshavah's pigol in one of the matonis, the Gemara says that this is totally in the machloikas or meir in the rabbonon. According to our mayor that Mefagl Machati Matir, this is also considered that he had Machshavas Pigal in part of the Avaidah. However, Toysis in Menachas Daftez Zayin says that if the Kain had Machshavas Pigal when he was Zayrik part of the seven Hazois Bifnim, like Bein Abadim or on the Pareiches, 
If he did not have Machshavah Spiegel in all of them, only in some of them, Taisus says that's like a Machshavah in half of a Kaimitz. In other words, it's not considered a Machshavah Spiegel in part of an Avedah, rather it's like a Machshavah Spiegel in something which is not an Avedah at all. Just like if you're marked a half a Kaimitz, a half a Kaimitz on its own is nothing, so part of the seven Azois on their own is nothing. And the Briskov explains what's the difference between the Gemarans Vachem Lamed Ches, that some of the four Matanois of a Chatois Apnimius, that is called Mephaglam Bechatsi Matir, it is considered part of an Avaidah, but some of the seven Azois, that's considered nothing on its own. And the Briskov explains using this Yesaid, that when we have to do Hazah of a set of seven, so one or two out of them is nothing on its own. If it's not part of a set of seven, then it's not even a partial Avaidah. Which needs four matonais on Mizbecha Pnimi, each matona is independent. It does not have to be part of a set of four matonais. And as long as the carbon in the end had a total of four independent matonais, then with that the kapara of the carbon is accomplished. And therefore, even if the kain had Machshavas Pigal in one of the matonais, according to Rameyer, we say Mefaglim Mechatsi Avaida. He had a Machshavas Pigal in power of the Avaida. And the Briskarov says, where does this Yisrael come from? How do we know that when we have to do Zayin Matanois, then the Ptah is it has to be part of a set of seven, and one on its own is nothing. The, the Briskarov says that the Yisrael is from Er Sugyo. Er Sugyo is Mavur, that the Zayin Matanois need a minion, you have to count them. There's Machlaikis, if the first Matano, the one Shalomala, also has to be counted together with the seven, but everyone's masking that the seven themselves have to be counted. And like Toysi Zashanim quotes, from the Sifra, that we learned this out from the Pasuk, it says, Sheva Pa'amim, that we learned that there has to be a minion. And like we see further from the Yushalmi that the Taisus Hashanah brings, that there has to be a minion of Sheva and not Shmaina. From the fact that you have to count out the Matanais, that's Muchach, that there has to be a set of seven. And it's not just a din, that the carbon has to have a total of seven independent Hazois. And the Biskorov proves that this is true by Parah as well. Any place where the Torah says seven Hazois, the pshat is that they need a group of seven, and a hazo, which is not part of a set, is not worth anything on its own. And he brings other rayas to this Yisoyed from the Gemara Nzvachim, and from a Sifri. But then he continues and he says, how is it that we see from the word Sheva Pa'amim, that you need a minion, that you have to count out the hazois? Where do you see anything from Pa'amim about a dibor, about the kind God of speaking? And he explains the din based on a Mishnah in Meseches Paro, Perek Dalid. The Mishnah over there is talking about the Hazois that you have to do, Neuchach Pnei Oyomayid by the Parah Aduma. And the Mishnah says, Hiza Mishishis Shviyis, Vechazar Vehiza Shviyis Psula. Meaning, if after the fifth Hazar, he counted the seventh Hazar, and then afterwards he went back and did the sixth Hazar, the din is that it's possible. This is the way the Rash and the Mepharshim and the Mishnahis explain that he has to count the fifth one, and then the sixth one, and then the seventh one. If after the fifth, he said that the next Hazor is the seventh, so the Hazois are not in order, and it's possible. And the Rosh over there in the Pirish Mishnais explains, that really you do not have to count Bechlal. If your Maza all the seven Hazois, Bishtiko, it's also kosher. However, if you did count, and you made a mistake, then it's worse, and it's possible. And the Briskov explains that it means like this, that really there's a din that all the seven Hazois have to be in order, and that's learned from the Pasuk that says Pa'omim. Pa'omim tells us that the seven Hazois have to be numbered. They have to be a seven consecutive Hazois, meaning the first one is counted as number one, the next one is considered number two, and then number three. 
It's not just that the para has to have seven hazais, even randomly. Rather, one has to be designated as the first, another has to be designated as the second, and then the third, and then the fourth, and onward. And therefore, if he does the seventh before the sixth, the hazais are not in the right order, then it's possible. And the rush is adding that really, you could do the hazais bishtika. You don't have to count them out. Rather, by default, the first one that you do automatically is considered number one. The second one that he does automatically gets the shame of number two. However, if he does choose to count, and after the fifth hazah, he says seven, so really he's designating this hazah as the seventh hazah. And then afterwards he's doing the sixth hazah. So the hazahs are out of order. Through his dibor, he caused that the hazah after the fifth one was really the seventh hazah. And once the hazahs are not kisidron, then it's possible. In other words, that the problem over here is not that he didn't do a proper minion. He doesn't have to do a minion bechlal. Rather, the problem is that the hazois are out of order. From here again, the Biskarov proves that the seven hazois have to have shaykhs to each other. They have to be a set of seven. And not only that, they have to be consecutive. They have to be designated as number one through number seven. An additional raya he has to this is from the Tesefta in Paro. The Tosefta says that we do not need that one kayin does all of the hazais. We can have seven different kayinim, each one doing one hazah. But if seven kayinim do a hazah at the same time, then it's possible. And the Rash explains that this is learned from the Pasuk of Sheva Pa'amim, that it has to be Zeachar Zeh. And the Rav explains that it's the same Yisoyed. There has to be a set of seven hazais, and there has to be one designated as the first one of the set, the next one the second one of the set, and if you're maza at the same time, seven hazais, then there's nothing designating one as number one, and another hazah as number two. And therefore there's a problem, they're not kisidron, they're not consecutive, and therefore it's possible. And according to what the Briskarov says, that this is only a yisoid by the Zayin hazais, but by chatas apnimius, which needs four matanais on the four kronais, there the deal would be that if at the same moment, four different kaihanim, each put the dam on a different karen, it would be kosher. Lamaisa the carbon had four matanais. You don't need that they should be a consecutive set. And with this, the Biskarov explains what is really the limud from the pasta that says Sheva Pa'amim. That it's not really a din, there has to be a dibur over here. Rather, there's a din that the seven hazois have to be kisidron. They have to be one after the other. This could be accomplished through counting them out by designating the first hazai as number one and the next hazai as number two. Now with this, the Biskarov explains a nupshar in the Yushalmi that the Taisus Yishanim brought. Rabbi Yechanan says, Kedesh the reason why you have to count the one with the seven, is so you should not make a mistake. And Zira adds, Kedesh Yigmar has also imitaych shiva. The Taisus Yishanim understood that Zira was bothered by, if we're concerned about making a mistake, just count to eight. On that, Zira answered, no, that the counting has to end with seven and not eight. But the Biskarov says a different shot. Zir is coming to explain Rabbi Yechanan that when he says Kedai Shulayiteh, Rabbi Yechanan did not mean that he'll make a mistake and he'll only end up doing a total of six Hazois Lamata as opposed to seven. Rather what Rabbi Yechanan meant is he'll make a mistake in the minion, he'll include the first Hazol Lamala and he'll count the sixth one as number seven. And therefore even if he does end up doing seven Hazois Lamata, but since he made a mistake in the minion, he counted the sixth one as seven, that's also possible. And the Biskarov continues, he says, Ula Yeshleimah, perhaps you can say, a nupshat and Ersuge as well. Agamara has that Rabbi Yechanan holds that you have to count the one Hazal Amalo together with the seven Hazal Islamata. Rabbi Yechanan surely holds that you have to be Meine Bepeh, 
you have to count the seven, and you also have to count the one together with the seven. Birchon understands that chukah is said also about the minion, and if you don't count the seven bepeh, or even if you don't count the one together with the seven, that will also passel. Rebel Yezer holds that you don't have to count the one with the seven, it's only a din shelo yiteh. And the Gemara says, Iku beinayu we understand, deloy means, he didn't make a mistake, he actually did seven lamato, and not six. But the Biskrov says, this is poshet. Why does the Gemara have to speak out deloy Obviously, if he only did six lamato, then it's possible. So the Biskrov explains that Rebbe Yezer holds, the actual Maisa minion is not Ma'akiv. If he was loy mono, even if he didn't count the seven, it's also kosher. Rebbe Yezer holds that the drosh of the Tereskayim, Sheva Pa'omim, like the Briskov explains, it's not really a din that one must count bepeh, it's really just telling us that the seven Hazois have to be in order, they have to be numbered from one to seven. But if he did count, and he made a mistake, he called the Shishas Shviyas, then it's possible. Similar to the way the Rosh says by Paro, that even if you don't have to be minor bepeh, but if you make a mistake, and you call the sixth one number seven, then it is possible. That's what the Gemara means, If he did not count the one with the seven, but he did not make any mistakes in counting of the seven, then it's kosher. But if he did make a mistake in counting of the seven, in other words, he called the sixth one seven, even if he did end up doing seven azoyis lemato, it's still possible. Even though you don't have to count the one with the seven, and even the seven, perhaps according to Rebbe Lezer, you don't have to count, but if you do count them, and you make a mistake in the counting, then it will be possible. So it comes out the way the Biskorov is learning that according to Shita Sir and Er Sugyo, which according to the Ushami, that's Shita Sir perhaps there's no din lemaisa that the Kohen Gadol has to be meine bepeh. The only din is that the seven hazois have to be keseder, they have to be numbered one through seven. And only if he does count them and he makes a mistake, then it will be possible. And therefore the Kasha we asked on the Rambam, that even though the Rambam paskins that you do not have to count the one together with the seven, it's only Kadesh Shiloh but the seven lamata l'chera do have to be counted, like the Joshua of the Teres Kainim. So why does the Rambam not say that if the Kain Gadol did not count them, then with the evidence possible, perhaps because the Rambam holds that in the it's not ma'akiv. You don't have to really count them. The only problem is if you will count them and make a mistake, then it will be possible. However, we could still point out in Ha'ara, why did the Rambam not tell us this din, that even if he actually did seven hazoyis lamata, but he made a mistake in the counting, then also it will be possible. Now the Gvur Sari, earlier on in Daf Nun Gimel Amr Beis on the Mishnah, the Mishnah that tells us that the Kohen Gadol has to count the seven Hazois, both the Hazois that are Lefnai Lefnim and the Hazois on the Paroiches. And the Mishnah tells us by the Sawyer as well, he counts the Hazois Lefnai Lefnim and on the Paroiches. And the Gvur Sari asks that even though we have a drasha on the Tarez Kainim, from the words Sheva Pa'omim, this tells us that there has to be a minion, this Pasuk is only by the Par. And it's only by the Hazois in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. How do we know that there also has to be a minion by the Hazois of the Par on the Pareiches? And furthermore, as far as the Sawyer is concerned, we don't have a Makar that there needs to be a minion, neither by the Hazois Lefnayu Lefnim, nor on the Hazois of the Pareiches. What's the Makar of the Mishnah that this also needs a minion? And the Gvurasari suggests that perhaps we learn it out of a Hekish. The Pasuk says, There's a Hekish between the Par and the Sawyer. Perhaps from there we learn that the Sawyer also needs a minion. And furthermore, there's another hekesh to be makish the azoyis of lufnim to the azoyis on the proiches. The pasuk says v'chein yasel la'oyel moid. That's a hekesh to the azoyis bifnim and the azoyis on the proiches. 
However, he says that Lachera, this cannot be the Makar, because the Lashon of the Pasuk, Va'oseh, Domai Kashrasel, Damapar, and the Lashon V'chein Yaseh, these are Lashonis of Asiyah. This could only be Makish, that anything that has to be done, Lifnai Lufnim, also has to be done to the Pereiches. Or anything that's done to the Par, also has to be done to the Sawyer. But here we're not referring to Asiyah, we're referring to a Dibur. A Dibur cannot be learned from a Lashon of Asiyah. And he brings an example of this from a Gemara in Yevamus. But Akoponim, he leaves off with the Kasha, what's the Makar that the other Azois need a minion? And there are those that want to answer this Kasha based on the Yisoyed of the Briskarov. The Briskarov understood that the minion over here is not really a Din Dibur Bepeh. It's not the Pshat that we need a certain Amira of the Kohen Gadol in order to be Master the Azois. Rather it's coming to number the Azois so that there'll be a count of seven consecutive Azois. So whether you hold like Rabbi Lazar and Ersugyo, which according to the Briskarov, he holds that there's no din that you need a minion midairaisa, as long as you don't make a mistake, it's kosher. It's only midairabonon that you have to be moina. Or if you hold like Rabbi Yechanan, who obviously holds that the minion is ma'akev midairaisa, but even according to Rabbi Yechanan, it's not the that it's the dibur that's ma'akev. Rather, what's ma'akev is, that there has to be seven consecutive hazois, and the only way he holds you can designate one hazo as number one, and the next hazo as number two, is by having a minion bepeh. But either way, the Yisoyed Hadovar is that it's not a Din Dibor. Rather, it's a Din, seven consecutive Hazois. And therefore, even though the Lashon of the Pasuk, which is Makish, the Par to the Sawyer, or the Hazois Bifnim to the Hazois of the Pareiches, the Lashon is a Lashon of Asiyah, and the Gvir said that we would not be able to learn a Dibor, this is not really a Din Dibor. This is really a Din Asiyah. It's a Din to have seven consecutive Hazois. And therefore, we would be able to learn... From the Hazoi Sapar Bifnim to the Hazoi Sapar on the Pareiches, and from the Par to the Sawyer, from this Hekish. Now at the bottom of the Omer, the Gemara discusses the Shoifers that they had in the Beis Hamikdash, the Zmachoikis Tanoim, whether there was a Shoifer for Kinei Choiva. According to the Omer, there was a Shoifer for Kinei Choiva, so anyone who was Mukhiv to bring a cane, a set of a Chatos Ha'oif and a Oilus Ha'oif, they put their money into the Shoifer, and the Kohanim would take the money and buy kinim for each person who was mechuyiv a kain. Now even though the Kohanim did not know which money belonged to which person, that's not a problem. They bought the kain and they were makrivit for whoever the Bailim really is. They were makrivit l'shem mishahu. Now like the Taisus Rosh points out, by a carbon of a behemoth you would not be able to do this because the Bailim has to do smicha on the carbon. But oifas have no smicha. So all the Bailim have to do is put their money into the shoifer and the client buys the cane for them and is makrovit on their behalf. Rabbi Huda argues, he says, there were no shayfers for kine chayva. Mipnei hataroivis. Rabbi Yosef understands that this means mipnei taroivis chayva binidava. Rashi says it means that maybe the kahanim will switch the shayfer of the chayva and the shayfer of the nidava. And the problem is that the shayfer of the chayva, the kahanim are supposed to buy for each person one chata sa'if and one oila sa'if. The Shaifer of Ninadava, both of them are supposed to be Eulah Saif. Now the Rashash points out that Lulay Divrei Rashi, if not for Rashi, he would have explained differently, not that the Kahanim would make a mistake, Kahanim's reason him, rather the one who was Mechuyiv to bring the cane, he would make the mistake and put his money in the wrong Shaifer. Now Taisus over here in Dibra Maschal Pnei Taroivis, he asks Akasha, even if you're not concerned about switching the Shaifer of Chayva for the Shaifer of the Nidava, how could the Kahanim buy from the Shaifer of the Chayva Kinim, for each person who is mechuyiv, why aren't we chayshish that he'll buy a cane with money that's partially from Leah and partially from Rachel? 
Who said that when he buys a cane, that all the money for that cane will have belonged to one person? Maybe the money will be partially from one person, partially from another person. And Taisus gives one answer, that each person put their money in its swear. He tied it up individually. So when the Kahanim took out the money to buy the kinim, they bought one cane from each tzor, so they knew that the kinim that they bought was bought from one person's money. The Toysus Arash also asks this kasha, how do we know that each cane came from one person's money? And he adds, the Einleimer don't say that at the time they put their money into the box, they made a tnai. That each cane that the cane buys will belong solely to one person. In other words, they put their money in with that condition, that if their money ends up going to someone else's cane, he'll forego his chalik in the other person's cane, and in exchange for that, the other person's money will go towards buying his cane. He says that you can't say that, because that has to come on to Beira. And the Gemara says that Rehuda does not hold of Beira, and still Rabbi Yehuda has to say a different reason why there were no shayfers for Kinei Chayva. Either like Rabbi Yisuf says, that the two shayfers might get mixed up, or like the Gemara says later on in Amr Beis, Mishum Chatos Shemesu Balea. Otherwise, Rabbi Yehuda would have been masking that there would have been a shofar for Kinei Chayva. And therefore, the Taisus Rosh gives a different tarot. He says that the Kahanim took all the money, and at the same time, they bought Kinim for everybody together. And therefore, each person's money went to buy one specific cane. So even though they did not know which money belongs to which person, but each person had enough money to buy one cane, and all the money was given over to buy the kingdom at the same time, so each person's money went to buy one cane for him. Now the Svasemes and the Siach Yitzchok ask Akasha, according to the Shita of Taisvis, Taisvis says that the money was Tzrurais, it was tied up, so that we would know each person's money was kept separately. So the Gemara in Ahmed Beis, when the Gemara is Chazer from the original Pshad and Yehuda, the Gemara says that really if we were concerned about switching the Shafris, then we would be able to do Ksiva, even if Yehuda's masking that Ksiva works. And the Gemara Nun Vav Amir Beis gets back to answering, so what is the Pshad in the Mishnah? Why does Yehuda say that there was only one Khan for the Kain Gadol to put down the Dam of the Sawyer and the Dam of the Par? Why couldn't we write on the Khan whether it was the Dam of Sawyer or Dam of Par? But al Kapam the Gemara says, so what was the Pshad in Yehuda? Why was there no Shafir for Kinei Chayva? The Gemara says, because we're chayshish gzeira mishumchatas shemesu baleo. One of the people who put money into the shayfar for a cane, he'll die, and his money won't be able to use because it's a chatas shemesu baleo. And we won't know which money came from the person who died. And the chaynim ask, once anyways we're keeping the money separately, and we're putting each person's money into a tzwer, why can't they just write their name on the tzwer? And then if a person dies, we'll know to take out his money, and everyone else's money will be fine, they'll be able to use to buy a cane. And the Sinech Yitzchak is madchik, that we don't want to be matriach, let's see where to do this. It's easier not to have a shoifer bechlal for kinei chayva, and each person who comes to bring a cane, he'll give his money directly to a cane, and that cane will go and buy a cane for that person's chayva. Now the Gemara that we mentioned in Amr Beis, the Gemara that comes out, of the P'chan and Rabbi Yehuda, is Gzeir Mishum Chatos Shemesu Baleo, the Gemara says the case is that we know for a fact that one of the people died, otherwise we would not be chayshish for Misa. And then the Gemara asks Akasha, V'nivar arbo zuzi v'nishti b'mayo, v'hanoch nishtru. Let's take out four zuz, the amount of money the person put in to buy his chatos, and we'll throw it into the yam. That's then what you're supposed to do with money that was designated for a chatos, and then the bailam died. And the Gemara says that this will be totally in Breira, and Rebhuda does not hold of Breira. 
Now the obvious kasha is, even if you do hold of Breira, how can we possibly say that we'll randomly take four Zuz, and we'll say that this is the Zuz that belonged to the person who died, how can we assume that this is his money? Even with Breira, that doesn't help us over here. Breira is used, for example, like the Gemara says later on, about Shnei Lugim Shani Osid Lahafrish, where there was a barrel of wine and he wants to drink from it, and he wants to say that the Lugim, that he's going to be Mafrish later, will be Chuma or Meiser. And using Breira, you could say that even though it wasn't separated till later, but Breira tells us that Lemafreya, this was always destined to be what was eventually chosen. But here in our case, there are four Zuzim that are mixed in over here that belonged to the person who died, and it's already Chal and it has a din of Chatos Shemesu Baleo, it has to be thrown into the Yam. How can we use Breira to tell us that this is the money that belonged to the dead person? So the Taisis Yishanam over here on Amr Beis, Dibar Maschal, Vinivar, Arbar Zuzi, as well as the Ritva, they ask this Kasha, how could Breira work over here? And the Taisis Yishanam gives a Teretz that the Gemara means that originally when each person puts his money into the Shoifer, he should make a Tanai, that if one of the people whose money is here in the Shoifer, they die, then we could choose four Zuzim and throw it into the Yam. And even if it ends up being my money, then this money should really be for him. And in return, I'll get his money, the person who died, his money will be for my cane. So if each person puts his money in conditionally, then using Breira we could say that if someone eventually dies, then it was Hover Lemafreya, that the money that was thrown into the Yam, whoever may have put this money into the Shaifer, but all along it was destined to be for this person who eventually died. This is the Mahalach of the Taisis Hashanim. However, the Ritva brings a different pshat. He asks this kasha as well, how can we possibly say that we take out four zuzim and we assume that it belonged to the person who died? He says, how is this different than any other iser veheter shenis arvu? When iser falls into heter, and there is not enough heter to be mevata the iser, could we randomly take out an amount identical to the iser that fell in and say that through Breira it was determined that this is the iser? Surely you can't do such a thing. So he quotes Peshen Rabbi Senu Atzarfatim, that this is different from when Isser falls into Heter. When Isser falls into Heter, at the time that it was Nisarev, it was already Osser. There we can use Breira to tell us that we can take out a certain amount and assume that this was the Isser. However, in our case, at the time when the money was Nisarev, when everyone's money was mixed together, at that time, no one's money was Osser. It was all Heter. So even though later on one person's money becomes Isser, it gets a din of Chatas Shemesu Balel, there we can use Breira to say that we'll take out four Zuzim and we'll assume that that's the money that belonged to the person who died. And he compares this to the case of Shnei Lugim Shani Osid Lahafrish. There also there's a Taruvis of Isser Veheter. There's a Taruvis of Chuma and Chulin. And we use Breira to tell us that what he's going to take out later, that was Chuma all along. The only reason we could do this, he says, is because at the time that they were in Nisarev, when all of this wine was mixed together originally, there was no Isser and no Heter, there we can use Breira that even though later on some of it becomes Shuma, now there's a Taruvis of Isser Veheter, so Breira could tell us that we could later take out Shnei Lugim and say that this all along was the Shuma. Now Toysis in Tmura Daflamad Amaral says this same Yisoyed, he's Mechalek, between a case when the Isser and Heter were Nisarev, their Breira cannot help. But if at the time that it was Nisarev, everything was Heter, their Breira could help. And Taisus there also compares our case to the case of Shnei Lugim, Shani Osid Lahafish. And Nachreinim asks, this Taisus, 
seems to be a pella. How can Tosis compare our case to the case of Shnei Lugim, Shani Osid Lahafrish? There the Truma was never determined until later on. Until later on when he separates Shnei Lugim, he says that this is Truma, so we say that through Breira, this was destined all along to be the Lugim of Truma. But our case is a mixture of different people's money. Four Zuzim belonged to one specific person who eventually died. Now in when the money was mixed together, there was no Isra and no Heter, but still each Zuz belonged to one specific person. And when one person dies, his money gets a din of Chatos Shemesu Baleha, that specific money now becomes Isr. So now there's clearly a Taruvis of Isr Veheter. There's a Taruvis of money which has a din Chatos Shemesu Baleha, and there's money which is really for a carbon. How can we use Breder later on to tell us that four Zuz which we randomly take out, that's the Zuz which has a din Chatos Shemesu Baleha. How can Breder do such a thing? It's against all logic. He says that clearly Tosis does not mean to say such a thing. It has no logic. In the Tshuva's Beis Ephraim, Yerudea Simen Ayin, he discusses this Tosis, and he also says that clearly the Tosis does not mean to say such a thing. Clearly the Svar of Tosis is only in the case that when the Isser is Chal, it's not Chal on one specific part of the Tarevis. Like for example, the case of Shnei Lugim Shani Osid Lahafrish, Originally, he did not designate which two lugim should be the truma. In that case, we could use Breira to say that when he eventually separates two lugim, that was destined to be the two lugim of truma all along. So what is the pshat of Taisus in Tmura and the Ritva Bayos? How can they use this far to answer our sugya? So the Beis Ephraim says, based on a truma sadeshen in Simon Shin Yudalid, the truma sadeshen says that if a few shudfim all put money into one kiss, into one wallet, they become shudfim in each and every pruta of the kiss. And if some of the money gets lost, then each person loses out according to the ratio that he had in all of the money. And he explains the pshat is because since they put the money together, they trusted each other, they're not makbid on each other, then all of the money becomes money of shudfis. And the intention is that there should be no single coin designated for one specific person. And with this he explains by this shoifer of kinim as well, when everyone puts their money in, nobody is makbid that their, their cane should come specifically from their coin that they put in. And therefore they all have a din of shudfim. And when one person dies, the din chatos shemesu balea is not chal on any specific coin. Rather it's chal bichlolius, it's chal on all of the money in the shoifer, that four zuz worth of this money has a din chatos shemesu balea. And therefore it's similar to the case of shnei lugim shani yosid lahafrish. It was never determined which specific money gets a din chatois shemesu balel. Just like by the truma, it was never determined which lugim have a din truma on them. This is what Taisus means to say. That if there was never iser before the mixture, the iser came after, meaning to say it came after and it was never designated on one specific part of the Tyravis, then we could use Breyer later on to say that what's eventually separated from the mixture, this was destined all along to be the chalik where the iser was chal. You have been listening to the Shiurim of Shas Illuminated. Shas Illuminated is a non-profit organization dedicated to broadening the learning of those studying the Daf worldwide. If you would like to make a donation or to dedicate a Daf or Masechta, please visit our website at shasilluminated.org or call 203-312-SHAS. You can also email us at shasilluminated at gmail.com.